If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to ask you to open them up with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. Jeremiah 33. If you'll follow with me, I'm going to read the first three verses of the chapter, and that will serve as something of an introduction for us as to what we'll be looking at here today. Jeremiah 33, beginning in verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time, while he was still shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. We find Jeremiah in this passage shut in prison. We saw last week that God gave him some instructions even while he was in prison. And so now the word comes to him again a second time while he is still there in prison. This is a difficult time for Jeremiah, no doubt. No one wants to be in prison. It was a difficult time for the nation. It was a time of famine and difficulty. The nation was under siege. These were dark times in Jeremiah's nation. These were dark times personally for Jeremiah. And God gives Jeremiah some instruction. He says, Jeremiah, call to me. Call out to me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. This word, mighty, it means literally to, uh, that which is isolated, inaccessible by height or fortification, fenced, fortified. It's as if God is saying, Jeremiah, if you will call out to me, I'm going to reveal some things to you that you cannot know beyond me revealing them to you. These are things that are, that are hidden, if you will, fortified. Truth that I will bring to you if you'll call out to me. A word of, in season, a word from heaven. I like the way the NIV translates it, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Or the New Living Translation, ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about, things to come. There are times in our lives when we need to hear from God. And we sang that here this morning in that song, Lord, you're, you're, you're awesome, you're, you're so great and mighty, you know, depth is, is, height is near, I don't know, I'm kind of butchering the song, but I, I love that, uh, the, the lyrics are here, oh well. Um, but the essence of the song is, Lord, as wonderful as you are, I need to hear from you. The truth that I know of God, the understanding in my mind of God is, is, of course, important, but ultimately, I need to hear from you. And this is what's going on in Jeremiah's life. Jeremiah is going to receive a word, call to me, Jeremiah, and I will tell you things. I will give you a revelation of great and mighty things. And this happens in all of our lives. There's times, seasons in our life where we need to hear from the Lord. I can remember the Lord speaking to my heart on a number of occasions in my life. I remember that there was a time in my young years as a Christian that I was 
really in despair. I was caught up in sin and, and mistakes and, and really wondering if God would even continue to fellowship with me. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of experience where your life is just seemingly so, you know, not right with God, and yet you love God, and yet your life just doesn't seem to reflect it, and you come to the Lord and you wonder, oh God, here I, here I am again. Is there even any hope for me? And it's almost a place of despair. And I can remember in that season, I was praying in my living room many years ago, and the Lord spoke to me out of a passage of Scripture, a broken reed I will not break, nor a, a dimly burning wick will I extinguish. The Lord comforting my heart, Richard, you're not, your flame's not out. You're bruised, but you're not completely cut off or broken. I'm not finished with you. There's still hope for you. You keep coming back to me. I'm continuing to work on your life. That was a word in season. That was a word from heaven that I needed to hear. I was calling out to him, and he, he declared something to me that brought great hope and comfort. I can remember a, another season in life when my wife was struggling with a very difficult disease. In fact, we were in fear that she might lose her life. And it was a very difficult time uh, for the whole family. And we were crying out to the Lord. And I can remember waking up in the middle of the night and just fearful that this was going to destroy our family and praying and crying out to the Lord and saying, God, I, I want to believe for healing. I want to pray and, and ask that you would help. But I don't even have the faith to know what's going to happen. Give me a sign, Lord. Show me something. Give me something that I can pray toward and believe in. And the very next day, my wife was visiting family up in Sacramento and her and my daughters walking through the airport. And a woman came up just randomly in the airport, just singled my wife out and walked up to her as a complete stranger and said, you don't know me and I don't know you, but the Lord has told me to tell you that he's going to heal you. And that was the very sign that we needed. And that gave us faith. Now things went from bad to worse after that. But we had a word. We had, we'd heard from heaven and it gave us something to pray on, something to believe for. And God has restored and God has brought us through. And my wife is healthy today by the grace and power of God. Amen. I can remember uh, going through a difficult season in my life and wondering about ministry. I was desiring to be used in ministry. I had a heart for ministry. I, I felt even called to ministry. But I had no idea how God was going to accomplish it. I was very busy in my business life and raising family and so many responsibilities. And the thought of ministry almost seemed too far off. And, and then just that sense of, you know, oh, mistakes of the past, you know, the guilt and shame and just believing, well, Lord, it's probably just never going to happen. And then God beginning to encourage my heart. And I can remember a season every day that I opened the scriptures, something was coming alive from the word of God that was speaking to my heart, that was confirming that desire for ministry, that was strengthening it, that was leading me towards it. God was speaking and giving me a word showing me great and mighty things that I did not know. 
I can remember the day came when it was time for us to leave where we were fellowshipping. We were being sent out to come up to this community and plant a church. And it was that last Sunday night that we were going to be in fellowship and the pastor called us up to pray, to lay hands on us and to send my wife, myself, and a few others that had agreed to come up and plant this work. And I can remember the feeling that night. Oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> we're leaving. Lord, this is our last time in this fellowship and you're sending us out and I don't know what's going to happen and I barely know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. We, we have a little place to meet and we're just completely taking a step of faith. And the pastor had a word. And it was a word that God had given to me earlier out of this season of speaking to me through the Scriptures. And it came from Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. And I've given you every, every place that your, your feet touch is the place that I have given to you. God sent me out with a word from heaven. And boy, you need that sometimes, don't you? Every place your feet have touched. Well, as a church, we have met all over town. So the city is ours by now. But God has done a work and God has fulfilled those words. You know, God has been faithful. There are times in life, circumstance, um, situations where you, you need a word from heaven. You need the Lord to speak something, to show, to declare something to you. Something great, something mighty, something undisclosed except by His Spirit to encourage your heart. This is where Jeremiah is. He's in prison. His own life and future in question. The whole nation is crumbling around him. He's been prophesying for years. And his whole ministry, everything that he knows is coming to an end. And God says, call to me. And I'm going to show you some great and mighty things. Things that you don't know. Things you haven't even heard yet, Jeremiah. Look to me. Let's take a look today. Let's see what Jeremiah hears from the Lord. And I want you to be encouraged. I believe that what God declares to Jeremiah concerning his, the future of his nation are words that speak to our hearts today as well. Now, we believe that this passage specifically speaks to a time in Israel's future even yet to come. We believe that ultimately when Christ returns, he is going to establish a kingdom upon the earth. You, you may have heard the millennial reign, a thousand years upon the earth where Christ will reign and rule from Jerusalem and establish the nation of Israel as his capital. We believe that is yet to come and some of these passages we believe are, have a future fulfillment. But they speak to our hearts today just as they encouraged Jeremiah in his day as well. And so let's look together at these passages and see what the Lord would declare to your heart this morning. Firstly, we notice in verses 4 and 5, God is reminding Jeremiah that in all of these efforts of, of the nation to save themselves, they are not going to prosper. Look, verse 4, For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city and the houses of the kings of Judah, which have been pulled down to fortify against the siege mounds and the sword, they come to fight with the Chaldeans, but only to fill their places with the dead bodies of men whom I will slay in my anger and my fury, all for, those, all for whose wickedness I have hidden my face from this city. Jeremiah, you need to understand firstly that 
this city is going through a time of judgment. Even though they're tearing their homes down and bringing the, the wood and the, and the rocks to try and you know, refortify the fence around them, they're under siege. God is saying, none of that's going to work. This nation has rejected me. This nation has not listened to warnings. This nation has not turned its heart to me. They are going to fall under the, under the hand of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. There is no hope in man's self-effort to deliver. There is no hope in your own effort, your own stubbornness to try and make something good of your life apart from relationship with God. And this is the first thing that God reminds Jeremiah. Jeremiah, listen. It's bad, and it's going, before it gets better, it's going to get worse. And you need to be prepared, because this people have refused to, to uh, respond to the warnings that I have sent them. But he does not leave Jeremiah in that place, nor does he, is this the end of his dealings with the nation of Israel. We find the next thing that God declares to Jeremiah and reveals in verse 6 is a revelation of health and healing. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. Talking about this city of Jerusalem. They're, they're going to fall under their own strength, but I'm going to heal them. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. There is a day coming that I am going to heal this city. I'm going to bring abundance of peace and truth. A healing and restoration of relationship. Instead of war and judgment, I'm going to bring peace and truth. It's really a message similar to the gospel. To those of us who have known nothing but sickness under sin and despair, God promises health and healing. God will bring abundance of peace and truth as we open our hearts, as we call to Him. This is the message that He would speak to our heart too. Listen, I want to heal your life. I want to touch you. I, maybe you're experiencing despair. Maybe you're at the end of your own efforts. Maybe you've tried everything and nothing has worked. God would say, listen, call to me. I will bring healing. I will, I will heal you of this sickness called sin and the despair of your own way. I have something for you. Maybe you're here today and you're striving in your own strength, your own determined effort to defend yourself. Maybe you're stubborn like the city of Jerusalem, unwilling to turn to the Lord. They were fighting against God and they could not win. They were deceived and destined to fall. But God says, listen, a day is coming when they will turn their hearts to me and I will, I will heal them and bring abundance of peace and truth. This is what God desires for our lives. We move on and we see in verse 7 that God brings a message of rebuilding, a returning and rebuilding. Look with me at verse 7. And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and will rebuild those places as at the first. A promise to bring them back. A promise to rebuild them as they once were. This is a people speaking to a people that have fallen and turned away from the Lord. Are there any of those hearts here today? Are you here today and you've fallen away from the Lord? Are you here today and you find yourself like Israel, kind of just... Uh, out on your own strength and effort and coming again into just a place of difficulty, despair. And maybe you want even to return to the Lord. It comes to your heart, I should come back to the Lord. But then something comes up and says, oh, it's too late. 
What good will it do now? What can God do anyway? This, the trouble is too great. The circumstance too far gone. What can God make of this? God brings a word. If you'll call to Him, He'll declare something to you, great and mighty, that you do not know. And He will say to you, listen, I can bring you back. I will take you back. And not only will I bring you back to a place of relationship with me, but I can rebuild. It's never too late for God. God can rebuild our lives. God can rebuild our marriage, our family, our ministry. God is a God of uh, second, third, and fourth, and many chances. If your heart is here today, don't be discouraged from uh, some, some whispering in your ear that would say to you, it's too late. Listen, God would declare this to you. It's not over. I can bring you back. If you'll turn your heart, if you'll listen to me, I'll bring you, you'll return, and I'll rebuild. And God is strong enough and mighty enough to do it. Let's move on. Not only can He return and rebuild our lives, He can also cleanse and pardon. Oh, thank the Lord. <laughs> Verse 8. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. God can cleanse, wash completely away the guilt and shame of sin. You can stand before God this moment completely spotless and without blemish. This is the kind of cleansing that God does. Not only will He cleanse, but it says, I will pardon I will forgive. The penalty for your sin has been removed, taken away because of Jesus Christ who took it upon Himself. God is able to cleanse and pardon. And this is an important truth. This, for some of you, this may be a great and mighty thing that you did not know. That God can cleanse you and pardon your sin. And it brings a great confidence. Jesus has done this work for us Jeremiah promising a future and knowing and speaking to what Christ would accomplish. Listen to the New Testament. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who were in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according now to the Spirit. He goes on in verse 15. He says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. God has cleansed you and pardoned you in such a way you don't need to approach Him in fear. You can come to Him like a, like a child does to his daddy and reaches his arms and cries out and God receives you. You've been adopted into His family. The writer of Hebrews says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. God wants to cleanse you. He wants to cleanse your conscience. He wants to forgive and pardon your sin. Guilt, shame. It keeps many from coming to the Lord and it cripples many who are in the Lord. There's still a sense of guilt and shame and we still make mistakes and then we think, wow, now I'm even worse than I was because I knew better this time. And now, how can God forgive me? We underestimate the mercy of God. We underestimate the power of the cross. 
we imagine that God is like us, that somehow he's got kind of a, a bucket of mercy and he doles it out and you're getting low. It's running out for you. You've just about used up all he's got. But God says his mercies are new every morning. God's mercy is able, listen, the love of the Father is greater than the sin of the child. God still loves you and he's willing and wanting to forgive you. This is not license to live any way you want. This is hope for those that want to come back to the Lord. For those that want their sins forgiven. Guilt and shame, it produces fear, frustration, feeling of defeat, unworthiness, uselessness. It can even cause us to lose hope and give up. 1 John 1 verses 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. No, the answer is not pretending that we're not sinners. <laughs> no, if you say you don't have a sin, you're, you're just kidding yourselves. God is not looking for people to come and be perfect before him. But he goes on to say, but if we confess our sins, if you will acknowledge your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants to cleanse. He wants to pardon. This is a word of hope for the nation of Israel, a word of hope to you and I, great and mighty things. Let us move on in verse 9, and we see that God wants to make his people as a witness to the world around them. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all nations. Talking about this city of Jerusalem. It's going to be a joy, a praise, an honor, and all the nations of the earth who shall hear all the good that I do to them. They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I provide for it. God is going to so bless Jerusalem in a future time that all the world will know that God is in that place, that God has shined His grace and shined His favor upon that people. I believe that's a word for us today as well. I believe that God wants to so shine and shower us with His light and blessing that we too would be light to our generation. Notice what he says there. They're going to be to me a name of joy, praise, and honor. God is actually going to rejoice over them. This city is going to be a joy unto God. And so this is the heart of God towards His children today. God delights over you. God loves you. He rejoices over what you are allowing Him to accomplish in your life. You know, I'm so proud of my children as they serve the Lord. My daughter and son-in-law up here today leading us in worship. Don't you know my heart rejoices in that? Don't you know that there's a great joy in your father's heart as he watches you endeavor to live for him and walk with him? Don't you remember, did you ever have a, one of your kids score a goal out on the soccer field when they were just little guys? What were you thinking at that moment? Were you thinking that, you know, when they get home they need to clean their room? Or were you thinking, my little girl just scored a goal, my boy. There's this rejoicing, there's this heart of joy for the father. And the, and the Bible says, listen, if we, if we know how to give our children good things, how much more your heavenly Father. God loves you. God rejoices over you. You are his delight. 
Now, I know that's hard to receive from, for some of you. I know for myself for a long time, I, I, just, I, I was just really convinced that, that God, God wasn't rejoicing over me. I had the opinion that God was really just tolerating me. I was pretty sure that he wasn't happy with me at all, hardly ever. But that somehow, okay, I'll forgive you. Uh, you know, you are such a loser, but... Right? That's what we think of ourselves. And so we imagine that God somehow is just putting up with us, don't we? Because we are broken. We are imperfect. We do stumble along. Who are we? What is, what is man before God? We're nothing. And so there's that sense that, oh God, I, I, I'm not even worthy to come into your presence. But what does the scripture declare? Come boldly to the throne of grace. It's not about who you are and what you've accomplished. It's about a father who loves you so much and what he has done for you. He delights over you. And he wants to pour that kind of blessing into your heart, that kind of confidence, that kind of assurance. That's why it says, come, you're an adopted child. Come, cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. And this is to be a witness to the nations. God is saying there's a day coming when this city is going to be so blessed and there's going to be such an overflow of my goodness and my joy upon them that the whole world is going to see God's hand of favor and blessing. Don't you know that's what God wants to display in your life and in mine? That God wants to so flow, overflow your heart with His love and His, His relationship with you that it just it changes your whole countenance, your whole outlook. You're a child of the living God. And He wants to, to, to display that to the world around us that are hurting and lost and lonely. And he wants to shower this blessing upon your life. I'm not talking about the car that you drive. I'm not talking about the house that you live in or the clothes that you wear. I'm talking about the Spirit of God poured out in your heart. I'm talking about a confidence that just comes and wells up in the heart of a child of God that says, I'm a child of God. And He loves me. And He's blessed me. And He's treated me right. And He's given me promises and a hope and I've got a future. I've got an inheritance. And that joy, that life in you would become light to a world that is dark and looking for truth. Not everybody will receive it. Not everybody will even like it. But there are some that are seeking. There are some that are searching. There are hearts that need to see a child of God who walks and lives in the confidence of what God has done and is doing in their life, that you would be a witness. We move on, verse 10 and 11, we see that God wants to declare a voice of joy, gladness, and praise. Verse 10, thus says the Lord, again, there shall be heard in this place of which you say it is desolate without man and without beast. In the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate, without man and without inhabitant and without beast, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for His mercy endures forever. And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, 
For I will cause the captives of the land to return, as at the first, says the Lord. Jeremiah, listen to me. I know you're discouraged. I know that everything looks like it's over for you, for my people, for this city. But as I know that there's coming a day, Jeremiah, where it will no longer be desolate, but once again, this city will bubble over with joy. There's a day coming. He says the joy of the bridegroom and the bride, that celebration similar to what you experience at a wedding and the celebrating of those moments. That day is coming again. Today, you don't hear it in the city, Jeremiah. Today, all you're hearing is weeping and crying and despair and discouragement and hopelessness. But I'm telling you, a day is coming. I'm, I'm declaring something to you, a great and mighty thing that you could never know. You would never imagine. I've got gladness of heart and joy. And there will again be a people in this place that will worship me and will say, the Lord, praise the Lord of hosts. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Is that not what God wants to declare into your heart as well? Doesn't God want us to have a sense of joy? Ought there not be, to be a joy of salvation in our midst? Isn't that what the Lord wants to do? Maybe, maybe you're a life that is in despair. Maybe your heart is, is aching today. Maybe your heart has no joy. What should you do? What must we all do? Call to me. And I will declare to you great and mighty things that you do not know. Call to me, and I will declare to you that there's a day coming when your heart will praise and your heart will worship. Call and look unto, the, unto salvation, and there is a joy that can rise up in your heart, even now. It's a hope, it's a confidence of a future. Paul, in that writing to the Philippians from a Roman prison, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. There is a joy that the Lord wants for the life of His children, His goodness, His mercy. You know, when the choir sang last week, I was overwhelmed. I was just overwhelmed. It was like, you know, the, the house of God was filled with praise. And you know, I know that life is not easy. <laughs> and you know... Uh, even, even in that moment of worship, you know, it was quickly over and we all went back to our lives and our trials and our difficulties. But you know, in that moment, my heart knew this is, there's a day coming when this is all we'll do. There's a day coming when this will be for eternity. And Lord, I thank you for the foretaste of it now. And it gives my heart courage. It gives my heart strength. It gives my heart joy. God has declared these things to you and to me. God has been faithful in the past. He is working in the present. And He has given great and wonderful promise for the future. Look with me as we move on. Verses 12 through 13. He promises peace and safety. Thus says the Lord of hosts in this place which is desolate without man and without beast and in all its cities. There shall again be a dwelling place of shepherds causing their flocks to lie down. In the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the lowland, in the cities of the south, in the land of Benjamin, in the places around Jerusalem and in the cities of Judah, the flocks shall again pass under the hand of him who counts them, says the Lord. Jeremiah, there's coming a day when the shepherds 
will, have, will be pasturing their sheep and they will have their flocks lie down. This is a land torn by war. This is a land under siege and attack. And yet God says, listen, a day is coming when the shepherds will have their flock lie down. When does a shepherd have his sheep lie down? When there's danger? No. When there's safety? When there's peace? You know this psalm, but I want you to turn with, it, turn with me to it. Psalm 23. Hold your place. We'll be right back in Jeremiah. But God is our shepherd. God is promising His people a time of peace and safety. And God has made those promises to us as well. Maybe you're going through a time of difficulty. Maybe you're under, life feels like it's under siege. Call to me, and I will declare to you great and mighty things that you do not know. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a day coming, Jeremiah, when the shepherds will have their flocks lie down. A day of peace, a day of safety. You know, we're living in very uncertain times, aren't we? Uncertain financial times. Uncertain times concerning our nation and the direction of our country. Certainly uncertain times in the geopolitical setting in the world and the, 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 the uncertainty, the wars, the rumors of wars there. You know, if you watch, just watch the news, there's great unrest and turmoil. What are we to do in times like this? Where does the child of God find peace and hope and strength and comfort? Call to me. And I will declare to you, I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. We have to look to the Lord. We have to know that God has our future. We have to know that God is my shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God is with you. God is in the midst of His church. God is living in the hearts of His people. And God has not abandoned us. God has called us to live in this day. You may think, wow, what a, what a bad time to be alive. If only I'd been alive, you know, in the little house on the prairie days, you know. The Bible tells us that God has foreordained each one of us to be at just the right place at just the right time. You are here for such a time as this. God has determined that this would be the best place for you to fulfill His purpose. This is not the worst of times for the believer. This is the destiny time. This is the preordained call of God upon my life 
time. I'm here, God. I'm in the game because this is what you ordained for me. And so I want to walk in the confidence and the assurance, not in the, uh, uh, the fear of circumstance, but in the assurance that my shepherd has a place of peace and safety for me. He'll keep me not only in this life, but I believe that he has a beautiful future and hope for us all. And this brings great hope. One last thought here, if you'll look with me, verses 14 through 18, we see God declaring a righteous ruler. And he speaks, of course, of Jesus Christ. Behold, the, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. Now this speaks of Christ. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called, the Lord our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. Nor shall the priests, the Levites, lack a man to offer burnt offerings before me, to kindle grain offerings, and to sacrifice continually. I believe Jeremiah here speaks of Israel's Messiah, none other than Jesus Christ, that branch of David, the branch of righteousness. And he will come and he will be a righteous ruler. A day is coming when God will himself, in the person of Jesus Christ, come and establish his rulership upon the earth. I look forward to that. I look forward to the righteous judge, the king of kings, to take his place over all the kingdoms. I believe that's what we're lacking in the earth. There'll be no peace until the Prince of Peace comes and establishes it once and for all. But not just a future of what God has in store for the nations, although I believe this speaks to that. I want to ask you today about your own life. I want you to consider, is, is he the righteous ruler in your life? Is Jesus really the Lord? Now, I know many of us embrace Him as Savior. But He's come to be more than just Savior. He's come to be King of kings and Lord of lords. And so the question remains, I think, even for those of us that know the Lord, is, am I allowing Him to be the Lord? Do I trust Him? Do I love him? Am I allowing him to lead me? Is he my master? Am I truly following him? Or am I bringing him along my journey, leading him? And maybe that's the Lord's word for some today. Maybe if you were to call to him, that's the word, that's the thing that he would declare. Let me be Lord. Turn over the reins of your life. What's that song? Jesus, take the wheel. Sometimes we just need to give the lordship of our life unto Jesus. Turn the reins over to Him. Right? We, we take them back sometimes. Okay, Lord, thank you. I'll take it from here. You know? <laughs> but it doesn't work. We, we need Him to be the Lord of our life. Even those of us that have a relationship with Him. And of course, certainly those of you that, that have never asked Him into your life. He does love you. 
And He wants to cleanse you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to restore and rebuild you. He wants to heal you. But He wants to lead you. He wants to, he wants to lead your life in ways, as He said to Jeremiah, great and mighty things that you don't even know. God has plans for us that haven't even yet been revealed to us. And they are discovered as we allow Him to lead us and guide us. I want to follow Him. I don't want to lead Him. I want to follow Him. I want to be yielded to His Lordship in my life. I want to be led by the Spirit. I trust Him. I believe that He knows better. Oh, I've, <laughs> I've done my own driving. And I've learned that I need the Lord at the, at the leadership really at the throne of my life. And I believe it's something that, that we all should consider as part of God's word to us today. I'm going to ask those that are going to help with communion to come, also the musicians to come. And as they're coming, I'm going to ask you, if you would, just to bow with me in a closing prayer. Great and mighty things, Lord. We need you to speak to us, Lord. Unsearchable things that we do not know. Remarkable secrets about things to come. Lord, there are times in our life when Really, we, we need to hear from you. And I believe that you have spoken to hearts here today. That a word from heaven has found its mark on hearts here this day. And as we bow before you, God, we want to ask you to just fill our hearts with these remarkable things. God, renew our joy. Oh God, remind us of, of salvation and the beauty of it. God, help me not to be so focused on my circumstance that I, that I lose sight of the promises, of the joy, of that which you've accomplished and that which you are yet to bring. Oh Lord, help us all as your children to walk in this relationship that is full and rich. And as our heads are bowed here today and just before we partake of communion, I, I do want to give an opportunity for those of you that are here today that may need to respond to the Lord. And I'm speaking to those of you that may have never called upon the Lord. Maybe you've never really invited Jesus into your life. You've never come to Him and said, Oh God, forgive me of my sins and come be the Lord and Savior of my life. And God is speaking to your heart this morning and you know He's asking you, come, call unto me. Call to me and let me show you great and mighty things. And I'd love to pray for you if you need to make that response here today. Or maybe you're here today and, and you're that one that needs to come back to the Lord. Oh, you knew Him at one time. You walked with Him maybe for a season, but today you are distant and Maybe fear, maybe shame, maybe guilt, maybe uncertainty, but maybe not knowing what God desires and, and, and maybe just kind of distracted with your own life. But He's spoken to you today and He's saying, come back, return and I will rebuild. 
Come back and I'll forgive and cleanse and pardon. So if you're here today, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you need to come to the Lord for the first time, or you're here today and you need to come back and rededicate and recommit your life to Him, would you raise your hand where you're seated and I will pray for you just before we partake of communion here today. Anyone needs to come to the Lord or come back to the Lord? God bless you there in the very back. Anyone else before I pray? Bless you here on my right. Several of you over here on the right-hand side. God bless you. Anyone else before I pray for these that have responded? The Lord would say, call to me. Call to me and I'll show you great and mighty things. Anyone else before I pray? He's speaking to your heart. Raising your hand is your way of calling out to Him this morning. Anyone else before I pray? I bless you. Bless you too, young lady. Father, we thank You for the great and mighty things that Your Word has revealed to us about Your love, about Your mercy, about Your care over us, about Your joy and Your promises. And oh God, I pray that You would hear the hearts of those that have responded here today, Lord, the, the hands that have gone up. And there, Lord, this is crying out to You, and I believe that You're going to answer. So God, meet them this morning with mercy and forgiveness for sin. As we read today, if we confess our sins, You're faithful and just to forgive us. And so, Lord, we confess and we receive the mercy that comes through Jesus Christ. And we're asking You also, Lord, to fill us with Your Spirit and to become the Lord of our life. To change us and to transform us and to lead us in the ways that You have planned. That You would be that Good Shepherd guiding us to that, those still waters. We ask these blessings, God, on those that have responded in Jesus' name.